Hey, everybody, and welcome to a mini-episode of Kush and Kai. How's it going, Kush? What's good, Kai? It's going great. Rock on. Um, Today's mini-episode theme is... Does this hold up? Okay, explain that thing. All right, so we've been having various conversations about movies lately. We and talk a lot about movies. Talk a lot about movies. And one came up recently that we were both fond of, but it had been a while since we'd seen it, and namely Sneakers. Okay, yeah. Of which we were both very fond. However, um, the technology is completely dated in that film. Oh, absolutely. And so we were both like, well, I remember it being good. But does it hold up? That's a different thing than it being necessarily good or bad. Usually it follows suit, where it was like, oh, it was like a drunken one-night stand. It was fun at the time in 1988. And now you're like, wow, wow. that, that They're not even a lead actor anymore. Like, you don't know what happened. They don't age well. Um, but we did watch. We actually watched. Sneakers worked its way in, because we were. Sneakers made its way on the list. And uh, I, we both resoundingly were like, yeah. Oh, yeah. That uh, 1992, that definitely holds up. <laughs> I know we have sneakers coming down the list in a few weeks, so we probably shouldn't focus too much on that. What's another one on that list, Kai? Okay, so we started fairly simple uh, with a, a Who Framed a Roger Rabbit. That's a great one. We both feel that this holds up, despite um, some, of the, some of the effects look a little dated, some of the techniques, but the what for the time, groundbreaking, and it still carries, like... That Donald Duck for Staffy Duck scene, mm. just uh, that's that'll be great for a very long time. That'll read with folks, despite you know Toontown and all of the tunes in it. Like my daughter has no idea who Betty Boop is. No. I think we may have just erased her. For, you know what I mean? No, without that, her. without that movie, she would never know me going. Oh, Betty Boop is a cartoon. Yeah, no, I imagine there's a lot of cartoons about the characters that your daughter wouldn't recognize in that movie. No, uh, yeah, there were there were a number. Although, yeah, the. Dumbo and those uh, the racist crows. They, those were we, those were familiar. Um, so, the, oh yeah, this movie also has a minimum of twenty years. 20 to be honest, that's, that's, that's a good number. I think that's solid. So yeah, that means we're sweeping uh, not, the, the close of '97 uh, right now. And um, so Big Lebowski wouldn't make the cut yet because it's yeah. from 1988. But um, I can't believe that one is hitting the twenty-year mark, but that one definitely that one definitely will will hold up for a grand old time. It's a well-made movie. All right, uh, next on the list, this one's controversial: The Goonies. I love The Goonies. You love The Goonies. I love the idea of The Goonies, and I love how much I loved it when I was a kid. But as an adult, I get this weird. And I still like it. I share it with my daughter. I'm like, yeah, Goonies. I get this creeping feeling. Like, if I had seen this now, nonplussed. Interesting. Like my my rush of emotions come from like. I was young, I identified with wanting to do that and this. Now when I watch it, I'm always like... I mean, they acquired the land legally, right? Yes. And they couldn't... The families couldn't pay their mortgages. That's a shame, but true. So... And it wasn't like they forced them into bad mortgages. They purchased out those... Still timely. It's still timely, yeah. I, I, I mean, that theme won't go away, but still... It sucks when you kind of side with the real estate developer like a little bit. Goonies holds up uh, to the point where when it came out in September, Stephen King's it, people were comparing it to Goonies. So, like it's Goonies with a, with a monster smile. Oh, that's pretty good. And that's uh, I stand by that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that the the eighties um, team dynamic of the uh, the prepubescent boys uh, banding together. Uh, yeah, that but that is the that and Steven Spielberg left their indelible mark on in the eighties, larger than many other things. Um, 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know. It's it, it's hard to step outside of it. But you're right. Culturally, it does have a, a thing. Has there been? I haven't heard any Goonies remake talk. Have you? I, I've heard the plans for a sequel. Mm-hmm. For the the third the, the cursed thirty year sequel. Wow. Where Sean Astin will have kids, and mm-hmm. Date will have kids, and those kids will go on an adventure. If the Duffer Brothers could do it. I would be it. <laughs> the guys who, for everyone else, that's the creators of uh, Stranger Things. Gotcha. Which season two, if you haven't picked up yet, I, we just finished it last night. We were trying to, like, not binge it all right away. It was a great decision. It, just, it was just parceling it out. was very difficult not to binge, but it was very enjoyable. Stranger Things, the more I keep hearing about Stranger Things, the less I want to see it. Like, mm-hmm. I, it was only until the second season that I only started hearing about Chinks in the Armor. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, it's doing this, it's doing this, it's trying to rely a little too much on nostalgia. Uh, however, uh, going back to Stephen King's It, the guys who did Stranger Things threw their hand in the ring to do it. Oh, yeah. And uh, then it ended up going to the Kerry Fukunaga, or, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm mispronouncing his name. Yeah, I don't, that I don't represent. Um, but the new It was good. And it all it did was copy the. I mean, it, it redid the first movie, but it did take a lot of like, I you know, without Stranger Things, I don't know that it has the new it has the same kind of cash because Stranger Things really like sure we can deride it for taking a little too much too many nostalgia points, but at the same time they did it really well. So for anything in that, maybe maybe some people don't like nostalgia, like John Hodgman. He does not like nostalgia. So this is not, that's not a him thing. That's fine. But if you are in, into it at all, they've done a really well, really good job. So if you're fond of like, oh yeah, the E.T. experience, like, yeah, great. That was, that was fantastic. <laughs> and they, what I think they did, one of the big things I noticed from season one to season two is that they got bigger well. Because it's hard to like expand. So sort of like, first movie is just this, and then we need to take it bigger. They did a great job. Serious. They they took some big swings, and I don't know that too many other producing teams could have pulled it off. Because there's some stuff that could have been like in the in wrong hands. You'd be like, we're going back to this again, or this is happening. But they make some big asks, and they deliver. And I was like, mm, I was impressed. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would for you. You've almost waited long enough. I'd wait one more year to be safe, so nobody's talking about it. That can taint your opinion. Oh, I, I know there's a bald chick. She's into egos. Hello. I mean, yeah. Yeah, her name's a number. It's fine. Well, I'll just, I'm going to ruin, I mean, this is not a, a super spoiler, but anybody listening, if you haven't watched it, just turn it off for like six seconds. In episode six, she performs a full level three force choke. Okay. And it's like, and then it just gets bigger and you're like, holy shit. It's, <laughs> it's good. It's good. She's a great. We got a snort on that She's one. a fantastic hero. Okay, so <laughs> Goonies, I'm going to go. There is a point where it's like, if you needed to isolate me as to does this hold up? And it's like, well, it's not the Cindy Lauper song or like necessarily Young Haim or whatever, um, Feldman. It's like, yeah, it was good, but yeah, am I asking too much? Where it's like, it's a fun movie that cast fit together well. We all love Chunk and Sloth. Like, what's not to like, really? Right. And then you get the little Superman trill in the score. That's fun. All right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I have to, I'm not, I'm not uh, I, I don't have the tools adequate to describe what a relevant does it hold up means, but just along the lines of enjoyable. Yeah. I got to put it on. I think I'm going to revise my life. Yeah. It's off now. Um, 
I'm going to skip a few that just would anger the rest of you if we were even <laughs> discussing them. Uh, uh, back to backs by Rob. Uh, back to back by Rob Reiner when he did Stand by Me and then Princess Bride in '86 and '87. Those are two of some of our, in terms of like, not just Americana and and sort of a time of innocent lost is. Yeah, these two movies are near perfect. Stand by Me and Princess Bride. He was near the height of his powers. Um, I at the definitely time. agree with that. As far as the Princess Bride goes, Stand by Me still a great movie, like, but of the two, it's the weaker one. Definitely. And when weaker I say one. weaker, those are strong words, and I don't mean them. And please don't hit me. Yeah. Well, well, but that—that's a thing because. They were by the same director, sort of back-to-back. Um, you can only help to compare them. It's sort of like you can only compare Cohen movies to other Cohen movies. Gotcha. Which innately makes some Cohen movies, like... What was the first George Clooney one? It was, like, Intolerable Cruelty. That's terrible. It was awful. It was not a good movie. And then there was... Anyway, so, what I'm saying is, it's like, you end up comparing it to itself, and you're like, oh, whatever. And Rob Reiner was like, yeah, of course, Princess Bride goes at the top. You put, But if you put, like, just try and put, like, a feel-good sort of coming-of-age tale, put it up against anything, anything else, it's going to end up in the top three to five in whatever list you're going to... Whatever you're gonna call together, I think it's it's good. It's good. It's a good movie. Great movie. Great movie. We love you, Stephen King. Please come on. Please come on our show again. What? I didn't say that. Um. Oh, Air Force One. I see. I gave a resounding yes. Okay. Yeah. What did I write down? Uh, maybe. maybe. Do you do you have any? Uh, I haven't any... seen it since it first was in blockbuster video, so uh, it's uh, fair. Yeah, it's definitely dated for me. It is. Well, I remember Get Off My Plane, and I remember comparing um, Gary Oldman to Tommy Lee Jones from mm-hmm. Under Siege. Mm-hmm. It's like this is just Under Siege on a plane. Mm-hmm. And that's that's all I got. Under Siege on a plane, but this has got the president. Mm-hmm. And he's punching people yeah. for America. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Gary, Gary Oldman as the terrorist was great, and he talks about Mother Russia like he gives a shit. It's great. Gary Oldman's usually not a bad guy. Bet, yeah, I know. Not a bad actor. Yeah, he's not a bad actor. Yeah, this fits right up there. Like, it's not gonna, it's not gonna go past your um, your Fifth Elements in terms of fantastical. It's not gonna go past your professionals in terms of evil. It was good though. <laughs> and Gary Oldman, good turn. Um, yeah. Now, that, should that be a movie on your list? Going back, you said the Fifth Element there. I have always hated that movie. You, you hated the Fifth Element. I hate, it's a beautiful movie. Mm. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Mobius is a sketch design, art design. Luke Besson is one of my favorite directors. Yeah. Very colorful movie, but just story-wise, I could not give a shit about anything happening in that movie. I dig. Well, that was kind of the problem where they they're setting up that. Oh no, unless you do this next small action, they'll destroy the thing, will just destroy everything everywhere. Which we we I think we've gotten conditioned or just naturally are aware that any when the stakes are that big, every time for everything it's just the same. Oh, look at the universe. You kind of like yeah. I don't know if we were getting uh, the universes at stake movies, though, a lot uh, in, what is it, 1996? 96. Yeah, what was... Uh, 95, 96? I want to say 97, but... Um, oh, so it would just make the list. Huh? Yeah, it would. Fifth Element. 97. Mm. Uh, yeah, doesn't it hold up? Yeah. Um, okay. 
I'll just start with the things again, Gary Oldman. But it's maniac in this. He's got great head. He's got like a, a cap. He looks like his Texas accent. Again, he's got a great look. Bruce Willis has got a great look. Um, what's her nuts has got a great look. Chris Tucker, great look. Okay, Chris Tucker, Chris Tucker, I, I, Chris Tucker. It's sort of like. I can't say, I can't say, there's a ton of other things where I'm like, oh, I love Chris Tucker in that, and it's not a Rush Hour movie. <laughs> How many other things can you say that about? Uh, he was great in that movie! <laughs> that was a perfect that, whatever that was. We should visit Dead Presidents for some great Chris Tucker reacting. Oh, man. Oh, you're right, that was good. All right, Dead Presidents, good. Um, and just while we're on that, that lane, uh, Blood in, Blood Out, I think would be good. <laughs> Is one. he in that? He is not in that. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, for some reason, you went like, dead presidents. Oh, no, we're back to the street. Whatever, let's go further. Let's go to the joint. And then, yeah. Uh, that's a commitment. That, that's like that's a, a Yeah, that's a Valentine's Day episode right there. I disagree with you strongly on that one. Oh, what would you go? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the er- ironic choice is... is Actually, the, the one date that's a big centerpiece in uh, Blood and Blood Out is at Diaz de los that is true. That's the big uh, oh, here's an interesting one on our list. From Dusk Till Dawn, 1996, Tarantino, he wrote this. Did he direct this? I don't think he Robert Rodriguez directed. Robert Rodriguez directed his buddy. Good buddy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go... This is unsatisfying. I'm like, kind of... It is culty if you like... I mean... If you're on the kick of like, I love Robert Rodriguez, I love Tarantino, I love Grindhousey stuff, I love Pulp, I love the, you know, but it's not, it doesn't. It's a very fun first watch through. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't watch, I don't want to watch this again. I I wouldn't watch it again. Anytime I see it on TV. Except for the one scene, say it. Well, when we get to sell my house dance routine. Yes! I'm throwing away the remote, and as soon as she turns into a demon, then I'm done. And I was like, that's, I love this movie, and then I change the channel. That's where she's pouring champagne down her leg. Tequila. Tequila. Pouring tequila down her leg. Into his mouth. Into his mouth. Yeah. That was good times. Mm-hmm. And then I liked where they were blessing. I think it was like holy water. They were putting it in the water balloons. I thought mm-hmm. that was clever. <laughs> I, I, I do enjoy the post-apocalyptic battle planning and then how it executes. I don't know what that is, but there's like a... If it doesn't practically make sense on some string, it bugs the shit out of me. I don't know what that is. It's a fun movie, the first watch, and the sequels are... I never saw... I was even unaware that there were sequels. There's two sequels. What are they based around? So the first sequel is literally just a remake of... From Dust Till Dawn. Mm-hmm. And down to the point where they're trying to do crazy angles where um, there's a, they put a camera inside the uh, telephone wire so you're seeing through the, the loop to loop to loop. Doing a lot of weird stuff like that. I appreciate it's, the effort. <laughs> very thin story wise because it's almost a complete uh, rip off of the first one. Got it. Stir, uh, like Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> the third movie, which is the second sequel, is a prequel to Old West Days. Ah. So it's a western, it's Dean and they're the Titty Twister. It's a brothel. You know what they should have done at that point is because they went back in time. Tremors went in a lot of different directions. Okay. If they linked up back there, that would have been good. Sorry, continue. They're in the old days. <clears throat> universal, right? They, they probably could do that. Right, they could. That Come on! Universal, we just gave you your new dark universe. Tremors versus demons? Oh my god! Why didn't they do that? Because they haven't listened to the show yet. God damn it. Sharknado versus Tremors, too, would be... 
That'd be an interesting That's the asylum, though. That's something different. I know. No, no, but I'm just saying, like, who else can we pit the Tremors kids up against? Which are underground snakes. Or, uh, underground, uh, landworms. Landworms. But in, I think, the third or fourth, maybe seventh, the survivalist guy comes back to the franchise, mm. and he has to shoot them because they've evolved so they can fly. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It was a it's a big issue. Both those movies, uh, yeah, went crazy directions with their sequels, and both actually had TV shows, short-lived TV shows, but they were there. Are you saying that there's a Tremorverse out there? Yes, yeah. There's there's a Tremors TV show also, again, starring uh, Stephen Gross, the dad of the Shotguns. Um, it was on Sci-Fi. I want to say for like two years. Wow, wow, Tremorverse. We will need to discuss at some point the giant flowchart of universes that are out there, starting with the Tremorverse. <laughs> That's where we start in the Tremorverse. I know that shitty little town. Oh, God, where was it? Nevada? I want to say it was Nevada. I, don't know, I feel it feels like Nevada. It feels like Nevada because it's like shit like that could go down there and you'd never hear about it. Like, it's just uh, they, they didn't get outside of the Area 51, that containment zone. Okay. <clears throat> Moving right along. Ooh, excuse me. Uh, Goldeneye made the list. I put a yes because I like this more than a number of the old Bond movies. Like, it was a good Bond movie. It was a pretty good Bond movie. I was not into this movie when it first came out. I saw this at the Empire at the Empire Cinema mm. Portal, opening day. Um, I was excited about Pierce Brosnan as James Bond. West Portal, where there's no parking on purpose. Yes. <laughs> Don't drive there. Goldeneye is such a good movie, though, that... After you only played hours and hours and years of that video game yes. on 64, that when you revisit Goldeneye, you're like, do you want to play you, you, Goldeneye? You, like, let's you go. mix it up in your brain a little bit. You think that maybe they did the movie based on the video game. You're like, they got everything right. Culturally, like, the game was more important yes. than many things. That was that loomed large in my childhood. But you're in like the secret lair. You're like, they got the walls right. Like, yeah, look at that. Right it was there. so realistic at the time. Like, oh, look at his face, and you come around the thing and you look at it now. You're like, oh my god, oh, <laughs> it looks like post-it notes. <laughs> yeah, our memories deceived us. Yeah, at the time, it was like, oh, wait a minute, you put a proximity line here, and you shoot the arm. Oh, my God. Yeah. You got a laptop gun. Yeah. I do. Stop being fucking odd, job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Uh, yeah, Goldeneye, I think. Goldeneye, we put on the, the hold up. We both were, we don't have to talk about Waterworld. Listen, stop hating on Waterworld. I like Waterworld. It's fine. It's, it, t- Great story now. We're not shitting on his choices for not doing another uh, Dances with Wolves. All I right? say it was better than the Postman, quite honestly. I think it was better than the Postman, too. Oh, or the, um, or one of his, um, he plays a retired baseball character. I think it's called The Upside of Anger. Mm, not familiar. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Costner has a, has a lot of range. He likes, yeah. A retired baseball player he played in a bunch of things. Hmm. Ghostbusters 2. I had to give this like a, meh, I don't think it does. I hated this movie okay. when it first came out. I think it could hold up if whoever, because each time we have to break it down to like, are grown-up, fair-minded, you know, adult, mature adults that we're going to be our impartial jury to show this to, if we showed them Ghostbusters, just Ghostbusters 2, I think they might go like, wow, that was really good! But if you showed them Ghostbusters 1, and then Ghostbusters 2, you're like, they didn't, they really didn't do, I don't know. 
One of my favorite things about the newest Ghostbusters that came out last summer, the mm-hmm. old lady Ghostbusters, is that when I tell people it's better than part two, people get a little sad for some reason. Wow. I don't understand why. Wow. That sequel is not a good movie at all. And yet people are in love with it for some reason. I feel like they're just getting their feelings from part one confused. I think so. That's fine. But to me, I'm like, nah, I don't mind people going like, Ghostbusters 2, sure. Like, I would actually, versus like a Dusk Till Dawn, I would put a Ghostbusters 2 back on. Just because it's like, though, the, just the team, just to see them hanging out again mm-hmm. and doing stuff and Bill Murray cracking wise, that's fine. It works that way. I would watch this movie again, but I don't think it holds up because I don't think they did enough of a job. Look, let me break it down like this. If your ending, if the ending of the movie is not super dissimilar, it's like, we got a giant thing to walk because it's whatever. I don't know, it felt a little cheap. I don't know what they were doing there. And then hate goo with... The hate goo, yeah. The hate goo is a bit much. <laughs> but they, they sprayed the hate goo and it was happy goo, too. Mm-hmm. It was emotion goo. It was emotion goo. It was emo goo. Yeah. And then the people felt it. That did feel good because that did, you know, Ghostbusters 2, what, 80, 88, 89? 89, the same summer <coughs> Batman came out. That is true. Same, by the same um, token, because still 89, like Giuliani hadn't cleaned up sort of Times Square and the rest of it yet. It was still kind of dicey. So the idea that there's a version of New York where everybody's angry was still very valid. You know what I mean? Like that... People were fucking pissed off for just no reason. You know? It's a line in the movie. It's every god given New Yorkers right to be an asshole or whatever that line was. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it holds up, but I don't have. I don't know. I, that one's like I, I don't. I'm not bothered by it. It's like yeah, I don't care if people like it. I'd watch it again. It's been a while. Like I'm all right, but I am aware that it's like they didn't do anything that much bigger or different than in the first movie. So yeah. It's just sort of, yeah. <clears throat> okay, so, Honey, I Shrek the Kids. Great movie. Uh, I want to watch it right now. Fantastic movie, and I give extra points, extra points to people doing the giant practical effects. That's just, do that! Do that! Everybody, if you can, do practical effects. We need to visit, uh, <laughs> we need to make an episode about movies we need to visit. We need to visit the 1962 movie, uh, I'm getting the date mixed up, excuse me. Fantastic Voyage. Fantastic Voyage. Fantastic Voyage is the shit. I don't know if I've seen this one. I think I might be in for a treat. You've seen you've seen many spoofs of it. You've seen many remakes of it. Inner Space is the most recent thing I can. Oh no shit! Oh, but it's, it's, a, it's a team of scientists. Oh yes, Fantastic Voyage. Oh, the the original Western. one. Yes. Where they go in? Yes. Absolutely. Great movie. Yeah. Inner Space involved that gentleman that worked at the grocery store. Yes? I don't even remember. I remember Dennis Quaid. Mm-hmm. Is Dennis a, Quaid is again. Another, po- yeah, Explorer. <laughs> yeah, we're working on a Dennis Quaid podcast right after this, actually. And uh, Meg Ryan is the love interest. Oh, my. And then Martin Sheen is the comedy, uh, comedy really. Oh, my. Martin Good Short. Stuff. Yeah. Martin Short. Did I say Sheen? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Sh- yeah. Martin Short. It's Martin Short. However, there'd be a better movie if Martin Sheen was the comedy relief. I I could go for some Martin Sheen comedy relief sometimes, but you know, is he busy right now? Who knows? What's he doing? Uh, yes, Inner Space. 
A hapless store clerk must foil criminals to save the life of a man who miniaturized into in a secret experiment was accidentally injected into him. Yeah. Man getting injected into you. That is just that's rough. Uh, 6.8 on uh, IMDb. It's a cute movie. It's adorable. Movie. I haven't seen it in a long, long time, though. It is a cute uh, I remember he was a store clerk because they do that scene where it's like, what happens if we poke into this? And he's like, oh, I can't see. And he drops, like, a big jug of juice on, like, some, a carton of eggs that smash. And it's like, do you want to take a break? And he's like, no, I'm okay. And they hit his spleen, and then he, like, falls over or something. Oh. It was very, it, was, it got kind of slapsticky at points. Okay. Yeah. Oh, here's the last one. Here's the last one that uh, you haven't commented on, but I wanted to get your take here. 1984's original Gremlin. Well, it's a great movie. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a fun movie. It's a spoof of itself. Um, God, I think the second one's a spoof of itself. The second one's definitely a definitely spoof, spoof of itself. itself. The, the Hulk shows up. The Hulk maniac shows up in it. Hollywood Hulk. What was it at the end? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so I think the second one is more a self-aware spoof. That first movie... It gets off the beaten path sometimes. Like, they spend way too much time, way too much time in the bar where they're all dressed up. That's the best part. They do these vignettes that are like, okay, if it was just about, like, in Gremlin World, like, I might be paying attention, but it stops the movie dead. (laughs) Like, this is the part of the movie where this is our practical effect. This is what our practical effects wizards have come up with. Oh, I did. I liked the practical effects more when it was like, when it was like, um, uh, if uh, Christmas nostalgia, you know, like it's the 80s and the lights are going through the town. And I remember the mom gets home and she gets into the most brutal battle with one of these things. Like, get like huge gashes on arms and cheeks. She's swinging the fireplace bugger. They've got the fake arms on one thing. He's flying around. They got the puppet that they're using. There's a ton of really good practical effects in this movie. This is not one of them. Where one of them's like in a dress and then it's like a weird vignette where they're trying to get her attention. And it's like, there's just so many questions now. That's all I want to talk about. You presented another movie, gender and sex dynamics in this mutant group localized to this town. Now we're doing something. I'm sorry. It was just like they opened, they, they knocked on a door that I answered and then they ran away. They ding dong ditched me on the plot. They plot dong ditched me. <laughs> Much like I felt about Red Belt when I went to the lawyer. <clears throat> Um, good times. All right. Well, that um, that is uh, our mini sode for today. We're going to wrap it up right All there. All right. So, folks, tune in cushionkai.com, Log on. Subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter. We are working on uh, enemy mine in a minute here. Oh yeah. We are uploading I Come in Peace on Tuesday. Our second Dolph Lundgren movie, I Come in Peace. <laughs> Sorry, I was announcing the word of um, Shizma. Shizma. Misma. Shizma. Shizma. Shit. All right. All right, everybody. Good times.